This afternoon we will be considering Baptist Catechism questions 58 and 59. Question 58 asks, which is the third commandment? The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Question 59 asks, What is required in the third commandment? The third commandment requireth the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, words, and works. I'll read from Psalm 29. This psalm is listed as a support text for question 59 of the Baptist Catechism, and so we will read it now in its entirety. A Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching and teaching of it this afternoon. As we move on now to consider the third of the Ten Commandments, I would like to remind you of something we have learned a while ago. Some time ago we asked the question, What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of His obedience? Answer, the rule the standard, which God at first revealed to man for, the, for his obedience was the moral law. That is Baptist Catechism 45, the moral law. And then we asked, where is this moral law summarily comprehended? In other words, where is this moral law revealed most clearly? Where is it summarized? Answer, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. So as we study each of the Ten Commandments, we should remember that they are a summary of God's moral law. And what is a summary? A summary is a brief statement or account of the main point of something. When you read a summary of something, you understand that there is more to consider. You are only getting a little taste of the thing, whatever it is. There's more to be had. And we should remember that the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's moral law. And remembering this should help us to think more deeply about the Ten Commandments. I'm afraid our tendency is to think of them very superficially. So, for example, we think that if we refrain from carving a little figure and bowing down to it, then we have kept the Second Commandment. But is that all the Second Commandment requires and forbids? No, we've learned, with the help of our catechism, and by contemplating this commandment carefully, um, that requires and forbids more. 
In fact, the second commandment requires the receiving, observing, and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in His Word. That is what our catechism says. In other words, when God says, I am to be worshipped and I am to be worshipped in this way, there's, a, there's an implication there. There's truth to be drawn out of that, and it is this. God is to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped in the way He commands, you see. And that means no images, yes, but it also means that we are to worship Him as He has prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. Uh, one thing I love about our catechism and the Westminster Shorter Catechism as well and others is that they state the, the commandment, each one of the ten. They ask what they require and they forbid. Uh, but they tease out the implications for us a little bit, you see. And by our catechism teasing out the implications, I think they help us to think more deeply about what each commandment requires and forbids. And in fact, if you pay careful attention to the Holy Scriptures, you'll see that the Scriptures do this very thing. You have the Ten Commandments, but if you read the rest of the Law of Moses, or if you read the rest of the Scriptures, you'll see that commandments that are given are in fact rooted in these little summary laws as recorded in uh, the Ten Commandments. Now the third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. And this commandment is often understood very narrowly. What do most people assume that the third commandment forbids? You can answer me, actually. What do most people assume the third commandment forbids? Using God's name uh, as a swear word, you know, uh, using it profanely as profanity. Does it forbid that? Yes, of course it does. But I think the third commandment requires and forbids a lot more. And our catechism is helpful to set us off in the right direction. In previous sermons, I told you that the first commandment is concerned with who we worship. We're to worship God alone. The second commandment is concerned with how we worship. We're to worship as God has prescribed in His Word, and it's not up to us. We're not to use our imaginations in this, but we're to be faithful. But the third commandment, I think you can see, is concerned with the attitude of worship. Who are we to worship? God alone. How are we to worship? Well, according to His Word, as He has revealed to us, not with images, but in spirit and in truth, uh, and according to His Word. And what is our attitude to be? We are to revere God, brothers and sisters. We are to honor His name. We are to worship Him from the heart. And I think the third commandment is pointing us in that direction for sure. So what is required in the third commandment? Again, the answer. The third commandment requires the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, words, and works. Notice the, the phrase here. It requires holiness and reverence for God, you see. To take the name of the Lord is to pick it up and use it. To take something in vain is to pick it up and use it carelessly and without thought of its significance, you see. So taking the name of the Lord does not merely mean speaking His name or uttering His name, the Lord or God or Jesus Christ or whatever it might be. It includes that. But it's more broad. To take the name of the Lord is to pick it up and use it. And again, to take something in vain means to pick it up and use it carelessly and without thought of its significance. And pay careful attention to the way that our catechism directs us to think beyond the formal names of God only. And also of His titles, attributes, ordinances, words, and works. I think this is fascinating. In other words, all of these things, not only the formal names for God, but all of these things are to be handled with reverential care 
because they do in fact reveal God to us, we are not to handle any of these things carelessly, thoughtlessly, or vainly. Not only are we to use the name God carefully, but also His titles. Titles such as Lord and Father. When we speak of God, His nature and attributes, we must handle these with caution too, lest we misrepresent God. And His ordinances are also to be taken up with great care, for they reveal His truth as well. When we come to the Lord's table, for example, we are to come with reverence for God and Christ, because God and Christ are revealed here. His word is to be handled with care. Also, His works. This means that we are even to handle God's creation with reverence. For the heavens and earth reveal the glory of God. Isn't that interesting to think about? Revelation is all around us. God has revealed Himself in the world that He has made. He has revealed Himself in Scripture. He has revealed Himself through His names. So when in the third commandment we hear that we're not to not take the name of the Lord our God in vain, it means not only strictly that we are to not use His name as a swear word, but it means that we're to have a reverential attitude for all of the ways in which God makes Himself known to us. And I thought of this as a point of application, perhaps. When we look upon a beautiful sunset, we should do, with, do so with reverence uh, for God, uh, brothers and sisters. And all of this also applies to the person and work of Christ, for through His words and works, He has revealed the name of the Father to us. Christ speaks to God in John 17, 6, a passage we've already looked at earlier today, saying, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you, have given them to, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So we're to have reverence for God, we're to have reverence for Christ, and all of the ways in which God makes himself known to us. This is why I have said that the third commandment has to do with attitude. God alone is to be worshipped, and he is to be worshipped in the right way, that is to say, according to his word. But he is also to be worshipped with the right attitude. And I think that is what the third commandment is really getting at. And so think of worship. When you come to assemble with the church on the Lord's day, you are indeed coming to worship the one true God. And you are doing it in the right way, hopefully. We are doing it in the right way, according to the scriptures. If we are not, then we must amend our practices. We're to worship God in the way that he was, has prescribed. But you know as well as I do that it is possible to have the wrong attitude in worship. In other words, are you worshiping the right one that is God alone through faith in Jesus Christ? Check. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not worshiping other gods. Are you doing it in the way that He has prescribed? Check. Yes, I am. Uh, we are worshiping technically in a right way here at Emmaus on the Lord's Day morning as we give ourselves to the hearing of God's Word, to prayer, to the breaking of bread. And, and to singing with one another as we fellowship together. Check, we're doing it in the right way. But it is so easy for us to bring the wrong attitude with us to worship. Sometimes we come to the Lord's table, for example, without thinking of its significance or discerning the sin in our own hearts. The worship might be done right, technically speaking, but if it is approached in a vain way by the worshiper, in an empty way, then it is not pleasing to the Lord. God demands more, brothers and sisters. He wants our hearts and He wants our minds as we come to worship Him. We take the name of the Lord not only when we speak His name with our lips, 
but any time we engage with Him and His revelation of Himself to us. And never should we approach Him or speak of Him in vain, but always with reverential honor and fear. What is the name of the Lord except revelation? God reveals Himself through His names, and so we are to handle God's revelation, His names and all other things, with reverential honor and fear. Think of this, uh, dear brothers and sisters. You took the name of God upon you in the moment that you believed in Christ. He adopted you as His own. You are now a beloved child of God. You bear His name just like a child bears the name of her parents or his parents. And you know that every parent wishes to have the family named honored, and so it is with God. At baptism, the name of God is placed upon those who profess faith in Christ. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, this is not just about using God's name as a swear word, forbidding that. It also has application uh, for things like baptism. We are to not take the name of the Lord our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, upon ourselves vainly, carelessly, in an empty and thoughtless way. But we are to do so with reverential fear and love for God in our hearts. As you can see, the command to not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain is about more than using God's name as a swear word. It's about much more than that. When a Christian lives in sin, they violate the third commandment. Think of it. When a Christian lives in unrepentant sin, they violate the third commandment. For they have taken the name of the Lord their God upon them, Vainly, They have claimed to be a child of God, but they're living like a child of the evil one. It's a violation of the third commandment. When a Christian partakes of the Lord's Supper carelessly, I say they violate the third commandment. Technically, are they worshiping right? They're worshiping the one true God. Uh, they're worshiping through uh, what God has ordained, the Lord's Supper. Yes, but not with the right heart um, because they have not sanctify the Lord in their heart in that moment they violate the third commandment. When a Christian sits under the ministry of God's most holy word but pays little attention to it or has no intention to obey, I think they violate the third commandment. Technically they're worshiping right but their heart is not in it. And the Lord is not pleased with worship like this. This commandment is about attitude, brothers and sisters. It's warning us against the evil of approaching God and all of the ways that He makes Himself known to us, be it through His names, titles, attributes, ordinances, words, or works, in a careless and irreverent manner. And so, brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, of course, to never use the name of the Lord as a swear word. Uh, to never, out of frustration, uh, use the name of God or of Jesus Christ. Uh, for God's name is to be handled reverentially, but also I encourage you to prepare your hearts for worship, to come to worship with love for God and reverence in your hearts, to prepare your hearts day after day also, for we are His children. We bear His name. We carry it about with us as we live in this world. We are to testify to the goodness of His name as we live in His world through which He makes Himself known. Psalm 29.1, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This is how we should handle God's name. We should bring glory to Him 
with the help that the Lord provides. I'll conclude with this little remark, not in my manuscript here. What question will we ask at the very end of our consideration of the Ten Commandments? Does anyone know, with the help of our catechism, what question will we ask? Has anyone kept this law perfectly? What will you say? No, we have violated this law in thought, word, and deed. Should we care about keeping God's law? Yes. Should we be exhorted to keep God's law? Yes. Are we legalists because we are preaching and teaching the law of God? Not in the least bit. But we must, at the end of it all, admit that we do not keep it. So as you are exhorted to keep the first, second, third, and even fourth commandment on the Lord's Day Sabbath, um, uh, we strive for these things, but we also acknowledge at the very same time we fail. So then where do we go? Where do we go? Christ Jesus. It's through faith in Him that we have the forgiveness of sins. It's through faith in Him that we even have the hope of living a holy life more so in the future. And so it is so very important for Christians to be taught the law of God, but I pray that you do not trust in the law for salvation, you see. Uh, you're to trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen? Let us bow for a word of prayer, and then we will go to corporate prayer. Father in heaven, even as I utter that title of yours, by which we are blessed to come before you, Father, we are reminded that you have made us your children. We are reminded that we bear your name. And so help us, O Lord, to not take your name upon ourselves in a vain way, but to do so with reverence and awe before you, O God. I pray that by your grace you would enable us to live as your children in this world so that you are honored and not shamed, O Lord. And when we do dishonor you, O God, I pray that you would work within us repentance, that it would be quick, that we would turn from our sin into you, for we know that you are merciful and kind, just as a father shows compassion to his children, so you have shown compassion to us. May we never forget this, and may we run to you day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.